Welcome to the Enlightened Practice Podcast, brought to you by the Luminello Electronic Medical Record folks. Here are your hosts, Dr. Ken Braslow and Dr. Carrie Kagan. Hi, Carrie. Welcome back. Hi, Ken. Thank you. It's, uh, it's great to have you here today and to be talking about a um, subject that's uh, near and dear to my heart, and that is uh, building your practice through referrals. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to be talking about it. It's a it's big great. topic. It's, it's a big topic. It's really important when you're starting out. And not only when you're starting out, but also down the road. The work you do in this area at the beginning often has multiple downstream benefits later on yeah. when you're not um, actively looking to fill your practice as hard Uh the work you do at the beginning of setting up your practice to establish a good referral network uh, can come in really handy uh, even yeah, later in your, in your career. So what I was thinking of breaking this down into today was uh, ways that you can uh, spend money that leads to more referrals and ways that you don't spend money that leads to more referrals. There's probably other ways of breaking it down, but that's what uh, jumped into my mind. Uh, and when we think about uh, paid methods, what comes to mind for me is advertising and marketing. Mm-hmm. And I guess within the free realm, you'd also be thinking about advertising and marketing. But uh, we can start off talking about in the in the paid world. I think before we talk about that, you have to think about your brand as a clinician and whether you're paying or not, what is it that you're putting out there? And mm-hmm. being able to have a, a mission statement or a uh, elevator pitch, maybe a paragraph that you can convey to colleagues and in other ways of spreading the word so that people know who you are as opposed to just saying you're a therapist and looking for referrals. Um, There's a lot of therapists looking for referrals. And I think you're more likely to find success if you're a real person and someone that your colleagues or other referral sources feel like they can have a connection with. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. And just wanted to add one thing to that, which is it, it also working through that process of figuring out who do I want other people to to see me as? Um, what's my brand? It actually can help a clinician as well to figure out what are they interested in and mm. um, not interested in. So I actually think it's good work to do um, on a personal level as well. I think it, you can get a lot of clarity about, about what you want and who you want to be as a clinician. Um, and of course, you can rethink that down the road, but it's a useful process for that reason as well. That's a great point. Yeah, it serves multiple uh, functions. So let's start of talking a little bit about advertising, which is perhaps a paid advertising uh, is one of the fastest ways to broaden your um, outreach, uh, and, but it has pros and cons. So what comes to mind for me is uh, advertising on Google, Mm -hmm. in psychology today or other kinds of websites like that. 
and mm-hmm. also just setting up your own website. Mm-hmm. So when I think about Google ads, I think, oh, I don't know how to set that up, but there's people who could probably set it up for me for uh, you know, pretty inexpensively. But what are a uh, Google ad is only, I don't know, 10 words, 20 words. What are you linking people back to? And so you for sure are going to need your own website or own portal or own way of capturing that, that interest. I think part, part of the challenge with Google ads is who's seeing your ad. Um, mm-hmm. What are they typing in, in order mm-hmm. for you to appear? And is that the audience that you're looking to attract? Um, it may be, may not be. Uh, you may get a lot of interest by posting uh, on Bing or Google or wherever. But are one, are you able to handle that kind of traffic? And it's mm-hmm. a lot of screening that needs to go on to make sure that those folks are a good fit for your practice and you're a good fit for them. And also, do you have the administrative resources and the time to devote to that process in general? Right. Right. Yeah. Any thoughts about Google ads per se or online advertising? Um, no. Yeah, I think I think Google ads, uh, the the biggest consideration there and or in addition to what you had already brought up is just, you know, how much it costs to, to set that up and not knowing if the benefits will um, be or, you know, if the money will if paying for the ad will lead to getting the referrals that you want or that you don't want. And so that's where I think something I think any of these can be good strategies for marketing, but I think something like if I had to pick where I would put my money in, in terms of paid um, marketing, um, something like psychology today for me as a psychologist um, feels a little bit more personalized and a little bit more like the audience that the type of people that might be looking on psychology today are people that are really, um, serious about wanting to connect with a therapist and they can um, what what say for those people who don't know what psychology today allows for is really um, it's basically like a website but it's uh, you know a, a detailed description of who you are what kind of clients you want to serve and so you know that the people who are reaching out to you have already done that work and think that you might be a good fit so I think it um, you might not get as many referrals or as frequently, but I think, but I think there's a greater chance that the ones that do reach out to you, uh, would, would be a good fit. Not always, but I think it narrows the field a little bit better. That's a good, that's a good point. Psychology today is relatively affordable. I think with Google or any other online advertising, you'd have to test and test and test to make sure that, the keywords that you're linking to your advertisement are on target and that your ad spend, which you can put in a limit of how much you want to spend, but is actually worth the cost in terms of the the dollars you're spending at Google, but also whoever you're paying to manage the advertising in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Whereas psychology today is kind of set it and forget it. One of the challenges that comes to mind with psychology today is that it's not HIPAA compliant. So if you 
want to have more layers of communication with uh, people who are requesting your services through Psychology Today, you and you want to do it in a HIPAA compliant way, you need to have other um, resources in place. Mm-hmm. And that there's uh, a lot of therapists on Psychology Today and a lot of clinicians. And so I've always wondered how when, when potential clients and patients are looking at that, are they sending a message to a hundred clinicians at once? Yeah. Know, just hoping for a few of them to respond and how much time are you spending responding to those when they've been messaging everybody in the community? Uh, right. That's a good point. Yeah. But it's, it's a way to get your name out there and um, to have your, um, uh, an online presence in addition to your own website. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then speaking of, of your own website, I think that's where um, I personally have spent the most time and um, um, building up uh, oh, the, the, I, I, I can't think of how to say it, but it, I don't know if, if people are familiar with this word, but what's called like search engine optimization. So that's where I spent the most time kind of figuring out how to um, build the website in such a way that it would um, attract the kind of clients that I enjoy working with. Um, And that you can actually pay people to do that for you. I actually happened to do it myself (laughs) in in our situation because it was early on and we had the time to Google, how do you optimize your website? Uh-huh. Um, and and then from there, really putting the time in to um, uh, personalize the website through, for example, blog writing. I think that was another way that has, that, you know, has helped to, um, to make the website pop up in Google when people do um, search for a therapist and also another way of, um, of letting people know what I'm interested in and what I, you know, what kind of uh, clients I enjoy working with. Um, what, what was your experience in building your website? Well, back in the dark ages, uh, more than 10 years ago, uh, they they didn't have like ready-made sites like they do now. I actually had to work with a web designer and they built it for me. And I learned a lot in the process about uh, WordPress and uh, how to, um, how to be a webmaster uh, because for every little spelling change I wanted to make, I didn't want to have to have somebody else go in and do it. Uh, I feel like having your own website is almost essential now um, that I convey a lot of information about my practice and my policies uh, that um, I want out there. Uh, It saves a lot of time in the um, getting set up process. And once you've set it up similar to psychology today, it's pretty much set it and forget it other than small updates that you make over time. And, and now there's so many different uh, services, uh, platforms where you can kind of create your own website with a bunch of clicks and they automate a lot of the technical processes that used to be painful. 
Mm-hmm. And the cost of a website is, it's not zero, but it's relatively inexpensive. You know, you wouldn't not have a phone because of the cost. And similarly, uh, I, you know, with a website, you, you have to, to have it. And yeah, you have to pay a yearly hosting fee here and there. But um, overall, it's, it's very affordable. The challenge is uh, driving traffic to your website. And that's where you're talking about mm-hmm. search engine optimization. And under the, why don't we come back to that when we talk about free um, ways of building yeah. your network. Yeah. But so, yeah, um, I think advertising actively in a search engine, paying for a listing on certain websites and having your own website, I would put those as the major ways to build your uh, referral base under the paid area um, for advertising. And now let's talk a little bit about marketing, which is similar to advertising, but it's more um, general. Uh, it's more about your your brand than about uh, specific um, advertisement that you're looking to, to place. And I guess you could say that uh, psychology today and having your own website are they fall under both advertising and, and marketing. But I'm also thinking about more of that human connection that I uh, started talking about earlier. And that would be things like going out to lunch or meeting people for coffee and getting to know potential referral sources uh, in that way. Uh, one of the things that I did when I started out was I offered to give a talk to different primary care groups on medication management of anxiety and depression and ADHD. And I came in and they were eating their lunch and I gave them a half hour talk on it. And now they could put a name, a face to the name. And they knew that I was um, a reasonable person, I think. And so that led to referrals um, pretty quickly after that. And similarly, when I started uh, doing med management for patients who were already in therapy, I would, of course, always reach out to the therapist just for good uh, treatment planning. But then I would say, you know, by the way, I'd like to learn more about your practice and what kind of patients do you like to get referred? And I found that that would always lead to them asking me about the same. And some of those therapists that I first started working with uh, still are my uh, in my inner circle today, all these years later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, lunch is not free, but it's not that expensive. And uh, found it to be well worth it in the long run. What Did you try anything like that when you were starting out? Yeah, I would say this is probably the number one thing that I did. Um, a lot of mm. A lot of coffee dates and lunches, um, and um, and this is yeah, this is also a time. I think you know it was also a time to get to know the other therapists in the community, um, as well as um, do some of like the interdisciplinary networking, like you're talking about, where it wasn't just connecting with other psychologists, but also psychiatrists and. Um, social workers and, and that's important to have a network, um, to around you to know who you can be referring to and for them to also know that you exist. Um, Mm -hmm. and I found it to be not just 
helpful from a referrals perspective, but also again, from a, um, just in, in early on in the career of, of being in private practice, it can be kind of isolating. So it was actually really uh, comforting and it, it, it to know that who was around me and what they were doing. And it really did help me to feel like I was part of a community um, and what not as alone. So it was beneficial from that perspective as well. Um, that's such a good point. Being part of the community is so powerful. It's really the antidote to feeling the the isolation of private practice. I, I think when I started out, I didn't realize how meaningful it was to, uh, primary care docs or, or therapists to, at least for, for psychiatrists to have a name that they could trust that they right. knew. I mean, the best way, of course, is to collaborate together clinically and right. to have the, the proof be in the pudding. But even if that hasn't already happened, uh, it looks, and, and I feel the same way when I'm uh, full and I'm not taking patients or if I'm working with somebody with meds and I don't have room to see them for therapy, that I have a, a short list of people that I can refer <clears throat> out to and that it it adds, of course, you want the, the patient or the client to get really good care. It also adds to your credibility to be able to say, oh, yeah, I know three people. Here's some, you know, names and numbers. Try them. And so it's it's really mutually beneficial. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that I would, I would put high on the list of, you know, ways to spend time and money um, to, to get referrals because I think it has many benefits and it's definitely helpful to put a face to the name. Did you ever host an open house or uh, open office meet and greet, anything like that? I didn't, but I've been to them and I found it really helpful um, to know, like, you know, from a referrals perspective, it was great to understand what a clinic was about and what they specialized in. So I I knew of them as as resources to refer to. Um, Did you? No, I didn't. But I, I, again, I know of larger organizations that would host a barbecue or uh, get together. And I thought that was really smart of them. Uh, you know, you want to, you want to be thinking, you want to make these positive associations of this organization. And unconsciously, I love their chocolate chip cookies. And uh, <laughs> so it's pretty uh, smart of them to, um, to host that kind of thing. Uh, and then on a on a expanding your network level, there's local organizations that might be worth joining, which is um, you know you're joining to be part of a community to enhance your skill set, but also they're very much about networking. And what's been your experience with uh, that kind of endeavor? I've had. Um, a great experience with um, joining local organizations. It, it is um, usually an annual fee, also usually affordable. Um, and it's been v- invaluable as far as referrals go. Um, it's a, you know, a, it's usually you're joining um, an organization that um, you're, you're joint, you're going to be joining other clinicians who specialize in a similar area or um, have some kind of similar expertise so you know that um, it it just gives some kind of credibility like you're saying if you never met the person before that 
at least they're practicing in an area that, um, that you're familiar with or that you're looking to refer someone to, or they're looking to refer you to. So for example, cognitive behavioral therapy, you can join um, an organization that that has a bunch of therapists that specialize in cognitive behavioral therapy, or um, there are organizations that specialize in a specific clinical area like OCD. And it's just, it's, it's a great, you know, first of all, all the time on those organizations, people are asking for referrals. So it's a great place to, you know, to be scanning those emails and letting people know you have availability and just introducing yourself to the community. And they also host, a lot of times these organizations host in person, well, before, before COVID, they host in person um, networking events as well. So you can meet them. um, And they can meet you and, it's again a great way to uh, get into a more of a community um, and to build a referral network and to let the community know that you're around and um, available. Yeah, and maybe uh, even one further step if you're really motivated, it would be to give a talk to the organization. They'll often have an annual uh, get together and uh, they will try and offer some continuing education units or CMEs. And if you're a featured speaker, you get uh, your name gets out to the community and other organizations meet for a monthly dinner or um, lunch Mm -hmm. or something like that. And sometimes they have talks, uh, presentations, Uh, but even being able to just lend a little bit of your expertise in one particular area can go a long way, even if it's not a formal presentation. So I've, I've definitely found a lot of benefit from being in those uh, local and regional organizations. Uh, uh, Then one other way that uh, comes to mind, which I don't think you would traditionally think of as uh, marketing, but working with a supervisor or a consultant who is um, who you're paying? Well, I guess you could say it could be a group consultation, in which case you're likely not paying for it, and that in and of itself is becomes a referral network. But when you're first starting out and you're wanting to get some supervision anyway, um, I started off doing that and definitely got referrals from my supervisor that way, and have reciprocated the same as I've taken on that role and that person knows your work really well. So I, that's a great way to build confidence. And um, the supervisor can also recommend you to their colleagues and the network effect grows. Curious if you found that uh, to be useful in your experience. I did. I've, I've done both um, group peer to peer consultation settings as well as paid consultation settings. And, I, um, and they've both been fruitful from a referral standpoint as well as um, a clinical standpoint and just learning. And so I guess to that, I would say like to the extent that you can integrate marketing into your just day-to-day experience, like things that you would want to do anyways, like mm-hmm. go to a consultation group where you can really learn from peers or get help. Um, and it, it also happens to be a place that you can um, refer to or that you can be, or people can refer to you. I think it makes it so much easier and less stressful and more genuine too. Um, and so I think there are a lot of opportunities in private practice to 
um, find, you know, a way of integrating marketing. So it happened, you know, it's not something that you're having to think extra about, but it's just happening as you're doing things that are important to you anyways. That's a great point. You know, most of us are not uh, going into therapy or, or medicine because we like marketing. Uh, and that's just certainly not taught in um, any training program that I was in. But being able to have it just be part of your daily or weekly routine, I really like how you put that. I think that's a really nice approach. Let's talk about some free ways. Uh, best things in life uh, are free. And uh, when you're starting out, um, cash can be... Um, hard to come by. And so being able to have ways to spread the word uh, that are free are, are really meaningful. Uh, so the first thing that comes to mind is back to the website and writing. Now, you could say, well, that's not free because you're spending your time on it, but you're not paying somebody to write or advertise. So I consider it free uh, in that sense. And like you said earlier, that's a great way to drive traffic to your site and also to establish an expertise or at least a reputation in a particular area. So I would not discount the value of um, having a, a blog. I think part of the challenge is consistency and maintaining your blog, unless you're going to actually say this isn't a blog i'm just writing a couple of articles and you know maybe that's a hybrid approach um, so people aren't mm -hmm. expecting you to be uh, blogging more frequently but even a, a monthly post could be quite mm -hmm. useful uh, i know some folks who are, do psychoanalytic or psychodynamic work might not feel so comfortable with uh, putting their um, background or their feelings or their thoughts out there in public. On the flip side, it, it makes you much more of a, uh, an attachable uh, object. Uh, so I wouldn't completely discount it, even if you're doing that kind of work. And as they say, it's all grist for the mill and you can process it in session if a client uh, has some um, thoughts about what you've posted. Mm -hmm. and, but um, blog writing takes time and uh, one of the ways that can make it easier is if you uh, dictate first and then you can send it out for transcription. Um, that can save a little bit of time if that helps your writing process. Yeah. And, and another way is to, um, sometimes I find in session, I'm liking what I'm saying. And after the session, I go jot down some notes so I don't forget uh, that. And then I bundle it and, um, and that can make for more efficient ways of writing than just sitting down and starting from scratch with a blank piece of paper and t yeah. telling yourself to go write a blog post. And what's your <laughs> process, Carrie? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, we write a monthly blog. So once a month, we, uh, me and, and two of my colleagues, we um, rotate uh, writing a blog. And I actually very much look forward to it. Again, kind of similar to what I was saying before, I feel like it actually is a nice little break, a way to take a step back from the clinical work and um, dive into something that's interesting, something that oftentimes comes up in a session or just something that's going on in the world and, and writing about it from a mental health or psychological perspective. And I actually enjoy like just putting on my writing hat and stepping out of my clinical role or, or 
combining the two. Um, and, and from a marketing perspective, I definitely think, um, like you were saying, it helps to establish expertise. It helps me clinically to, to grow a little bit too, just learning more about an area. Um, and, and I think it absolutely can help, um, drive traffic to websites. So I feel like it's, totally worth the time that it takes. And there are a lot of ways to make it so it doesn't take up that much time. It can be a short blog if it's a busy month. Mm -hmm. Okay. That sounds, that sounds good. It's a real stretching your brain kind of activity. Yeah. Um, You can also use your blog posts in your Google ads, by the way, if you want to link people back to your subject area of expertise, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, your homepage, if you think that will give it more credibility. Um, Let's talk about some other free things, uh, phone calls. Um, So if you are collaborating with a colleague, uh, I I know nobody picks up the phone anymore, um, but uh, actually having a conversation with somebody, even if it's completely unrelated to business and it is clinically related about the patient. I cannot tell you how many times I've done that. And then a week or a month later, I get a referral from that therapist. We didn't even talk about referrals, but it just builds your your network and your credibility uh, without even needing to say anything to have a treatment planning conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I think that's a, it's a bit, I, I will say early on, I remember feeling um I guess I would I guess the best way to describe it would be like nervous or anxious about um uh connecting with other treatment providers or like I remember when I would have an appointment to talk with a mutual client psychiatrist or something because if you I don't know for some reason it felt like vulnerable or um I don't know if it was just because I was early on in my clinical career, but absolutely it was so helpful one to just like from a clinical perspective, as I keep saying to actually collaborate in that kind of way and, and, um, and come to uh, understand a client through the lens of someone else I think is invaluable. And then from a marketing perspective also, yeah, it's one of those like integrated options where it's something that's good to do anyways and it helps you know you to to really understand who who is out there for you to refer to and for them to learn more about your clinical style and I would say oftentimes that's where um, I've gotten referrals as well um, just after those conversations and they know this is just another way of getting your name out there yeah yeah and it's a win-win-win I mean it's really good for the patient and the client that the team is collaborating, not even for people who are splitters, but just in general to know what the, uh, your colleague is doing so useful. And, um, you know, it's like, it's a meta benefit of uh, those calls. Um, Grand rounds. So in, um, at least on the psychiatry training side, giving a talk at your local University or community hospital, they often have weekly or monthly grand rounds, and that's a fine way to get your name out. They usually publicize it to the wider community beforehand. And if they're offering continuing education units or CMEs, uh, that's uh, yet again even a bigger draw to, um, to attend. 
and you do have to spend time preparing a presentation. However, uh, you'd be surprised how one presentation can uh, go far, uh, meaning you can give it at a grand rounds, you can give it to a consultation group, you can give it to a local society. And um, so it's an investment at the beginning, but it, it tends to pay dividends later. Mm -hmm. It can be incredibly anxiety provoking to give that kind of talk. And so sometimes collaborating with a colleague and the two of you giving a talk, great. You know, you get, you both get the credit and it's only half the work. And so yeah. I would encourage that. Um, and similarly, um, you know, being able to just talk as an expert in any area. I mean, if you, want to go on the news and be a local expert uh, or get interviewed yeah. in other people's blogs. And this is part of how you build that base is being able to say, Oh, I've given these kinds of talks. Curious if you've done anything like that. Um, no short answer. No. Although I guess the, I was just thinking about, small like in a much much smaller setting um like peer consultation kind of setting um mm. there have been times or opportunities to present um on a certain topic for example insomnia and it you know would just be to three or four other people um mm -hmm. but it was you know it was a way of both brushing up on an area um a clinical area as well as um, establishing expertise. And, and I could have seen a way that it, um, you know, could expand from there because you, you know, you start to lay the groundwork for some kind of presentation that could potentially be generalized into a different um, uh, context. But yeah, I haven't done any large scale speaking. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what you're talking about is often the foundation of those talks that you start small you develop confidence in it and then you add the next layer and you go bigger with it. Yeah. Yeah. The last uh, thing that comes to mind is social media um, and being a tweeter, uh, an Instagrammer, um, posting within Facebook communities and just answering people's questions generally. It's not like you need to have a presentation prepared for those audiences, mm -hmm. uh, but that's also a way to get your name out and typically is free other than the time you're spending on it. And, and that can be useful. What's your take on yeah. social media for that purpose? I, I do not have personal experience with using social media. I'm, I, I, know people who do and I my understanding is that people have a professional social media account for example like professional Instagram account um you know my my biggest concern there just the thing to look out for would just be confidentiality um just um you know I I don't know how that factors into what when people are like commenting on your social media page for example or if like clients might follow you or something like that. But um, yeah, I do know that a lot of people that use it. And I think there are definitely ways that you can use it similar to how we're talking about other things where you just basically like establish an area of expertise. And it's a way of getting your name out there. Um, but I'm not actually too familiar on a personal level 
Well, that's fine. I mean, you there's so many different ways that one can approach this. And once you start getting your name out there and you often get full quickly-ish and you realize, oh, now I got to be really picky and choosy about where I'm going to be putting these efforts because mm-hmm. you have to balance the time you're spending on this and that that time could be used for clinical care. On the flip side, this is an investment. This time and potentially spend of money leads to the pipeline that leads to long-term uh, referrals. And and even now I get referrals from colleagues who I've never met. But when I talk with them, they say, oh, I got your name from a colleague and that colleague I've met. And so those secondary and tertiary referrals ultimately is what leads to uh, keeping the pipeline full and also that sense of community that, uh, that we've yeah. been talking about. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and I guess the last free way, I'm, I guess this is free way of getting referrals is through other clients, right? So just, ah, uh-huh. just being a good, you know, that I remember that advice was given to me early on that the like, the best way of getting clients, and I don't know, maybe this is a little bit idealistic, I do think you have to do some intentional marketing and advertising, but is, you know, to basically do, be good at what you do. And Um, and then it kind of, you know, it snowballs from there as people hopefully enjoy working with you and benefit from working with you. And then they refer their friends who refer their friends. That is the perfect way to end this. I really like that. Um, yeah, that's the best compliment really is is a referral. So, well, Carrie, I've enjoyed this conversation. Uh, it's given me some ideas now, uh, for my own practice and, um, I'm looking forward to having uh, further conversations with you in uh, this and related areas soon. So thanks for your time and look forward to talking to you soon. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. If you like today's podcast and want to hear more, don't forget to click the subscribe button. And to learn more about starting and growing your own private practice, go to luminella.com and look for the private practice hub.